Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Jody Bolson-Raybould is an independent member of Parliament for Vancouver Granville. She's the former Attorney General and Minister of Justice for Canada and um, daughter of a First Nations hereditary chief, lawyer. And I said to her off the, phone, off the air just a few minutes ago, I said, uh, I try not to be a fan of politicians. It's not something that works well for me, but I am a fan of Miss Wilson-Raybould because she has earned the respect of people in this country by standing up for what matters and standing up to a prime minister and a prime minister's office. And uh, we know as much as I think we're going to be able to find out uh, about the SNC-Lavalin case, which isn't going to stop me from asking questions. Uh, Jody, thank you very much for coming on the program. And thank you for, for having me. I appreciate being here. Let me start with very difficult issues that this country is facing. And uh, today, uh, the issue is one of race and intolerance in light of the uh, horror rampage against the Afzal family in uh, London, Ontario. The funeral is today. And then Quebec is moving forward with its Bill 21, of course, which has been described as a direct government endorsement of intolerance. Where, what do we need to do? Where are we? What's, what's the issue of tolerance, race, religion? Where are we in this country right now? Well, I, I mean, I join um, so many people, everyone across the country, in, in uh, recognizing and remembering and honoring the lives of that beautiful family that was murdered. Um, I mean, we have to, um, when talking about Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, um, relationships with respect to Indigenous peoples in this country, um, I'm hearing and seeing Canadians speaking out necessarily. We have to call out racism. We have to call out intolerance. And we have to keep these issues um, top of mind on our agenda. And um, simply because we're heading into um, soon uh, a federal election and political parties are wanting to gain as many votes as possible. That is not a reason to run roughshod over the foundations and the values in this country, that being an appreciation of diversity and an actual real understanding that um, as Canadians, um, you know, the fundamental values that we hold are ones of equality and inclusion and embracing diversity, which makes us stronger. Those are the values that I was raised with, and those are the values that I stand up for as a proud independent member of parliament. Yeah. Uh, we've seen thousands and thousands of Canadians gather in uh, individuals and expressions of sorrow and solidarity for the Afsal family and great concern for 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 where we for, for the issues that we have to deal with. But there's also seems to me a public determination to do exactly that. The question is, what will official Canada do? So I'll ask you this: Do you have faith in an inquiry into the discovery of the remains of? 215 children in Kamloops at the residential school, because you've called on Mr. Trudeau to uphold his commitment for transformative change in relations with Indigenous people. Do you have confidence that this is going to be done uh, properly with with forethought and then proper follow-up and commitment to the whole issue? 
Well, I mean, I will say that, um, I mean, we have seen report after report, um, you know, dating back to 1996 with respect to the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, which expressed um, the must-needed um, solutions um, facing Indigenous issues in this country through to having the Truth and Reconciliation Commission reports. Um, murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, calls to action. And while I will say there has been some movement made, um, this government, this prime minister, has not followed through on his promises, and we need to hold him to account. So do I have trust um, or faith that something's going to move as a result? I hope so, but um, I think that um, for me, and I know many Indigenous leaders and Canadians across the country, that that hope and that trust in this government and in this Prime Minister to do the right thing, to stop taking half measures or or just speaking in terms of promises uh, um, and turning that those promises into action, it has waned. <laughs> and um, I mean, I've said before, this Prime Minister still has time to do the right thing, to do the right thing by those 215 children and and residential school survivors um, across the country, to do the right thing in terms of transformative change. Um, he gave a speech, you probably heard it, on February the 14th, 2018, where he promised to move from denying Indigenous people's rights to actually um, implementing and recognizing those rights uh, and he has not moved on that transformative promise and we need to we need to hold them to account mm-hmm. um, your upcoming book is titled Indian in the cabinet uh, with the word Indian in quotation marks I don't want to read anything into it but uh, I, I have to ask you I mean I want to ask you should I read into this that uh, even though I said I wasn't going to uh, that as, <laughs> as federal minister of justice and attorney general, were you treated differently or somehow, well, differently then, let's use that, um, as the non, um, I don't know how to phrase this, as, let's, let's put it this way, were you treated differently because you were a First Nation cabinet minister? Well, I think that, I mean, that's a lot of what I go into talking about in my book that's going to be released in in October. Um, I I mean, I think it's fair to say that um, my experience um, as um, the first Indigenous Minister of Justice and Attorney General, um, uh, it had a definite pros and it had its cons. Um, On the con side, I realized that no matter what table one sits around, there is a degree of marginalization based on um, racialized and gendered terms. I experienced this. Um, you know, I was incredibly proud um, to serve over three years as the Minister of Justice and Attorney General, and we were able to accomplish some significant things. Um, and I was of the view that I was placed in that role. Certainly, I have background and experience, but I came to that role with a different world view, um, being a proud Indigenous person in Canada. And, um, you know, the status quo was something or is something that is very entrenched and different world views or different ways of looking at things um, based on 
consensus-based decision-making based on not having um, partisan considerations, but actually having meaningful discussions around issues and bringing forward, um, you know, different solutions was not something that was fully embraced. And, and that was a realization that I um, certainly had and still have um, and recognize that the word Indian um, used in the title of my upcoming book is is um, um, something that I experienced in being treated like an Indian versus a proud Indigenous person. I look forward to your book. Um, Jody, let me go back, if, uh, if I may, for just... Well, I want to talk to you about the, uh, about the um, residential schools and the tragedy at Kamloops, and it's not just Kamloops. We're, we're going to, I'm sure, be hearing more now because people in this country are demanding answers also want uh, position and answers from the Roman Catholic Church. The Pope has not apologized. I'll be speaking with an expert on uh, theology and the church later on this hour who believes that the hierarchy in the church is doing whatever it can to deflect from uh, what the responsibilities are. How do you assess the non-response from the church? Well, I mean, I think it's important um, to, to recognize and acknowledge that there are many Indigenous pe- leaders and people, residential school survivors, that as in the Truth and Reconciliation calls to action to have a papal apology. I believe that's important. Also, disclosing all of the documents um, that they um, may continue to hold to survivors is important. Um, and I think that people will continue to pursue that. And even the government of Canada, the prime minister, has pursued that. But I will say, um, in listening to the prime minister calling on the Pope to apologize, while important, um, that apology, the federal government, and this is my concern, cannot continue to offload their responsibility to do what's right with respect to Indigenous peoples. And I I mean, I appreciate the federal government speaking about supporting um, the to Kamloops and other communities because there will be more mass graves reported um, to, to do the necessary investigations and have those investigations and memorialization led by communities. But beyond that, the foundations of solutions in shifting this relationship um, are dependent upon the federal government getting their own house in order, changing their colonial racist laws, policies, and practices. This is what the Prime Minister promised to do. This is what the Prime Minister has not done. And um, on both planks of, of what I just said, that's where Canadians need to hold this government to account. Yeah. Uh, the nation followed each moment uh, during the parliamentary hearings on how you were treated by the Prime Minister and the Prime Minister's office as Federal Minister of Justice and Attorney General when you refused to interfere with the federal prosecutors and pushed them to agree to pursue a deferred prosecution agreement with the uh, SNC-Lavalin, which Mr. Trudeau and the PMO demanded of you. This is what we, how much we know. The Conflict of Interest and Parliamentary Ethics Commission was very blunt in his assessment of what you faced, Mario Dion wrote, mm-hmm. in part, the authority of the Prime Minister and his office was used to circumvent, undermine, and ultimately attempt to discredit the decision um, of the Director of Public Prosecutions, as well as the authority of Ms. Wilson-Raybould as the Crown's Chief Law Officer. What can you tell us that uh, about what you... What, I know there's this limited amount that you can share with us, but what can you tell us? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I do uh, much continue to plug this book, but I do go into it and and um, a little bit um, in terms of SNC in my upcoming book. But what can I tell you? I, I mean, I was um, and I've reflected on this so much, catapulted into the national spotlight um, and did my very public walk from the front of the government benches to the back corner of the House of Commons. And and I have to say, Roy, I would I would not change anything that I did. I was very confident and understood my role as the attorney general and my role being to not have political people, the prime minister or otherwise, interfere in a prosecution um, and standing up for the rule of law, which is which is what I did and I would, would do again. Um, I, I think it's a, a something that we as Canadians need to consider how there can be potential wrongdoing. And Mario Dion, as you said, did come out with very forthright with his findings. Um, but how um, politics, how the institutions of government work in this country, wherein you have a small group of people, the executive, the cabinet running the country, and sometimes um, in those closed-door um, discussions um, where decisions are made, sometimes the, and this is where I can't get into a lot of detail, but the reality of cabinet confidentiality is used as a shield to hide activity that is taking place. Um, this was, um, potentially is the case with respect to SNC, but um, it just makes me think about how many number of examples over over the years, um, where you know similar realities uh, and decisions and actions have been taken behind closed doors, out of sight, and out of the um, ability to be accountable to Canadians for those decisions. Yeah, uh, we've spoken on this program with uh, Vice Admiral Mark Norman, who also find himself on the uh, receiving end of some rather unflattering and uh, uh, questionable remarks by. Mr. Trudeau, but I, I won't take you there. I've spoken with the Admiral about it uh, off air, but um, yeah, yeah there's, there, there are, I, you use the word spite, and it's not the first time I've heard that word used in relation to a PM or a Prime Minister's office. It can be spiteful. It can be a very difficult circumstance. Uh, and I only have two and a half minutes, so I'm going to move on, as though, although I want to stay with this issue. But let's move on. You voted against supporting the uh, BQ motion to affirm Quebec's right to arbitrarily amend the Constitution. The opposition parties, they went along with the Bloc Québécois. Um, why did you make the decision you made? Well, I, I mean, I read the, um, the wording of, of the Bloc motion. It was speaking about um, unilaterally changing the, the Constitution, the wording about Quebec and provinces. There was a lot of concerning um, words within that motion. And I spoke out and said nay to what's called a unanimous consent motion. because, And I thought that other people were going to say nay as well. Um, to my surprise, nobody did. Um, so I, I unilaterally stopped that. But, I mean, issues around amending the Constitution should not be dealt with by way of unanimous consent motions. They should be debated. They should be understood in terms of the impacts that, that um, you know, changing the Constitution has, and they should be in compliance with our amending formulas. Um, so 
I think there's a time and a place and an important conversation to have around the Constitution, but it's certainly not by way of a consent motion. And, and I, you know, I believe fundamentally that there are things that are bigger than politics, that are bigger than making sure that we secure votes in Quebec. And the rule of law and the Constitution is one of those things. So I would, I would do the same again in that case as I did um, the other day. Well, I'm glad you did that because I was looking at the other parties and thinking about what they were doing. I thought, you know, don't you get it? Um, even in a, in a selfish way, I mean, they, they should be protecting the constitution of the country, and they and they weren't doing that. And it's not up to the prime minister to say, well, Quebec and French is a minority situation in North America, so go ahead and amend the constitution. That's not the way it works. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah, there's 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 some decisions that as elected leaders and in particular leaders of parties or the prime minister i mean there's some decisions that you might have to make that will upset people um but that's what leadership is all about i mean we want to elect leaders that will make the right decisions and that will will explain why they made them and we want to be able to trust that they'll do that if you want to hear more Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.